0: All right, that's no matter episode 11 is here Uh, why Sam and I were recording episode 10 earlier in the week News broke that the Pac-12 and Big Ten had decided to cancel or postpone their season in lieu of COVID-19 Instead of pushing that onto that episode at the tail end and pushing that episode out two plus hours We decided, you know, let's split it up. We're gonna release another episode this week And here it is. Uh, There's not going to be a lot of fluff. We're not going to do a what's in my cup. We're not going to do a rundown. We're going to get right into college football for the entire duration. Going forward, we may actually try and split up our episodes into two per week so that we can take some time to kind of delve into some of these bigger stories. Uh, If that does happen, we will continue to do some of those other things on top of it. But for now, this one's going to be a little different. Pretty important topic. It's going to affect a lot of people thought it deserves a little bit more attention so i hope you guys enjoy keep that feedback coming if there's anything you guys think that we're not paying enough attention to or something you want us to talk about a little bit more please let us know otherwise we really appreciate you guys listening and taking the time find us wherever you listen to your podcast. let's get out of here
1: we got we got to talk about this thing college football on Tuesday, at a
0: Monday. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Before we get into this, before I get into this, I've had something that's literally been bothering me since we started this podcast, and I've been meaning to bring it up. And I have to call some people out for this. <laughs> have you seen Down to Earth with Zac Efron on Netflix yet? No, you have not. Oh, yeah. okay. oh, no,
1: yeah, actually, I have. Yeah, where he's like, he, you know, he's going around to like that place in what was it like. uh, Greenland when he's been making his own chocolate and he had the water sommelier that he was like, yeah. yeah. yeah.
0: Mm. Have you seen the memes online? On the first episode when they were in Iceland, there comes a point where he unrobes to get into an ice bath and you see his body in a different shape than what it was during the Baywatch uh, movie that he filmed. Yeah, which I still haven't seen that movie but I've seen pictures of it and that's I mean, unreal he, he I was in was the movie with shot. the rock
1: he had to be ripped to be next to the
0: rock oh yeah he said that was miserable and that he would never do that again I just need to point something out for all of our current listeners that is what you saw there what you saw when you took that robe off was not a dad bod not even in the <laughs> slightest way and what you're doing is you're setting us dads up for failure completely nope that isn't that is not a dad nope. butt. that yeah. is a man who is in phenomenal shape that decided that he, he took might like, like a couple off. carbs <laughs> yeah. he might like a couple carbs every now and again because he said during another episode he's like oh my god i'm so happy to be eating carbs right now he went like eight months without eating a single carb folks of the world that is not a dad bod. Can, can you imagine if we if we change the
1: name of this podcast a dad bods don't matter? No. <laughs> we
0: would taste well, so, much this, so the the problem is that there's a weird movement I, I call it weird it's flattering for me as a father but there's a movement also where there's a lot of women who are posting and talking about support for dad bods they think they're somehow attractive and I, i've seen studies done that they tend to be you know shout out to all of us dads um Dad bods, quote unquote, tend to be more loyal and more understanding and more receptive <laughs> uh, than guys who are absolutely ripped. Right? I, well, I, I won't argue whether that's right or wrong. I'm just saying it's, it's what what empirical that's evidence do you have there. to support this? <laughs> yeah, I there there are you can read articles about him. It's it's fine, but what I have to tell you, what we have to clear up right now on this podcast, Zach Efron. In his current shape, is about as far from a dad bod as you could possibly get. If you want to see dad bod, come to my Instagram uh, oh, oh, look at, at you. Timmy underscore Cronin. Thirst I'll show over you. Here. I'll show you with that. the dad bod. Uh, it's a little bit softer. It's a little bit rounder. Uh, oh, listen, listen, <laughs> Yeah. listen, it's not, Linda. Listen. It's not we, are, awesome. we are.
1: No, it's we are stopping awesome. this right now. We are stopping. I see we, you hijacked this thing here, and we're, I'm taking it back. I'm taking the reins. We're talking about college football, not your dad bod.
0: I just, had to, get I just had to get out of the way. It was, it was, it was killing me. It was eating me alive. I couldn't go outside knowing that that's what people thought was a dad bod, and here I am looking like the state puff marshmallow man, just <laughs> roaming around a little bit, the <laughs> Michelin man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, no. So you
1: you couldn't handle the fact that you could go outside, but you wouldn't embody what they thought the dad bod was. But yeah, that's okay, Tim. Complain about what a standard for body images are for men. Yeah, it's not like not like women have ever had to deal with anything like that, right? Oh, I know. Anyways. I know. Anyway, this
0: is reverse dad
1: bodism. Yeah, this is. Listen, <laughs> listen, Linda, Listen. We're getting back on on the track here. Right, College sorry, football sorry. is looking a lot like the night in Monty Python's Holy Grail right now. A top around on one leg and one arm, and uh, it's it's crazy, right? The Pac-12, Big Ten, they punted football. They said we're going to try in the spring. ACC and the SEC are like, listen. We're going to follow the advice of medical professionals and what they tell us to do, i.e. If there are doctors in the SEC and ACC who think that it's a good idea to, to play, they're going to play. Um, almost 60% of Division I football teams are still intending to play this fall, which is bananas, considering. Nebraska head coach Scott Frost estimates that they're going to lose 80 to $120 million this season because they want to have fans in the stands or if they don't play. And they would not going to be able to pay for other sports to exist in huskerville now hashtags and players and unions have been like the the thing lately right so Mm -hmm. a lot of college players put the hashtag we want to play and it was trending by a lot of the prominent players like you know trevor lawrence uh the ohio state quarterback justin fields right even the president voices support so don't tell us to stick to sports because he's not okay and i'm just thinking about it like how did we get to this place? We are in August now, right? And now we're saying, oh, well, if the players can't play football, they might have to go back to impoverished or not safe places that they came from. We can't do that. We have to play football. It's like, um, no. Hmm. That's not the way you want to stilt this, okay? Um, obviously, we know that things that go on on the left coast with the Pac-12 – there's a lot of consortium of minds over there that comes up with a lot of different things. And when they started the, we want to play hashtag, they came up with a lot of, you can call them demands, but they said, listen, we want a players union. We want more funding to be, you know, going towards scholarships. And and they had a lot of what you would call demands and the NCAA kind of laughed because I mean, mm-hmm. they're the, they're the Goliath right now. But it's just like for you to say, oh, players either have to come to my small little college town where I can keep an eye on them or they might not be safe back home where they are. That kind of says two things. One, that you're relying on the fact that these blue chair prospects to fund your multi-billion dollar way of life are going to come from a place that you care about them and their safety when they can be in your realm for a couple of years and then you don't Mm -hmm. worry about anything else. Um, Or if you're worried, like some coaches said, that if they're not on campus or they're not in football, they might be going to the bars. I mean, what do 21-year-old kids do? They probably go to the bars like is it is it at the end of the world like I just don't know. it the thing that upsets me the most is like the stance if if the players can go to school they can play football. No, I don't really think you can socially distance a classroom. you can't socially distance the defensive line, right it, it, if you if that's your stance like you just haven't been paying attention like football teams especially in college travel. And right now there's too much evidence that that amount of traveling is a really bad idea. So let's not look past how there are these performance evaluators that the coaches have to meet in order for them to make their millions of dollars. But guess what? The players aren't getting a dime mm-hmm. from that for the most part, right? They shouldn't be getting any money. So I'm not surprised that the coaches and everyone who's involved in football wants football to continue. I get it. You're honing your career. It's your professional life. You want it to keep going. I'm just astounded that only a few plans have been put into place and the rest of the college football division is like, Yeah, you know what? We'll, we'll kind of play it by ear.
0: Yeah, it's... It's weird to me. So coaches, first of all, have zero leg to stand on because they are underneath contracts. You are paid contractually. I mean, some of them I'm sure have performance bonuses, but you are paid contractually by the year and usually your contracts run multi-years. So like this year is just literally a hiccup on the way to the end of your contract. So to come out and try and speak on behalf of the players or where they come from is two parts. One, it's completely disingenuous and kind of shows that as a whole, nobody really cares what these players are doing or where they come from. You're just trying to save face by saying those things. If you really cared, you would come up with a way to play uh, to pay these guys to help bring their families out of these impoverished areas. Not here. I'm concerned that we're, our school, like that. that number you just read, those those hundreds of millions of dollars was for a single school not for the entire league that was yep. Nebraska Nebraska yep. alone mm-hmm. which is a big D1 school stands to lose 80 to 120 million dollars from not having football like let that sink in for a second that's how much money they bring in from having a college football season How much money of that makes its way to the players? We can have a whole argument about what they get in medical staff and what they get in care, and they get their tuition. That tuition costs them almost nothing. Almost nothing. I get it. Especially when you look at the rate of return that the the university
1: (sighs) gets on top of them for playing one year,
0: two two years, three years, whatever it is. Yeah, 100%. Like, I get it. I get it. We can have a whole argument about well, you have to pay the medical staff, you have to pay the teachers, and you have to pay the professors. You have to pay the coaches. You have to pay everyone. Sure, you do. You are making so much. If every one of those players got a million dollars, you would still clear like seventy million dollars. Are you Mm -hmm. kidding me right now? Yeah, that is unreal, and that's not going to happen now. Two of the leagues have decided to just completely postpone at least until spring. And there are a lot of people saying that postponing until spring is kind of a disingenuous move. It should just be canceled altogether. Both the the Big Ten and the Pac-12 all said no. The Pac-12 took it a step further and literally postponed all sports for the remainder of the year. I think it does a couple things As this comes out, it tends to show that there's a big discrepancy and a lack of collaboration between all of the different medical boards because each division, all five divisions, have their own medical board. The NCAA has its own board. What this goes to show, because two of them opted out and two of them have already come in and said, no, no, we're not going anywhere. The ACC and the SEC said, nope. It's safe. We're going to play it. We can figure this out. It goes to show that the medical staff for all of these organizations, they're not even talking to each other. They're not sharing any information. They're not doing anything at all to come up with a collaborative effort to say, okay, I get it. All of us need to be part of this in order for this to succeed. Let's all just continue to keep our stuff not only separate, but let's keep it out of the public eye. Like, I haven't heard a single bit of medical information from any of these organizations as far as what they have found, why they've decided to cancel the plans. In fact, some of the coaches, like the Coach of Baylor came out and said, like, I'm not educated enough to make a decision right now. It's a little alarming to see the the – Pac-12 and the, and the Big Ten pull out of this thing, I think if we were to pull a vote right now, I wouldn't be comfortable voting. That goes to show you the information they're giving out to the coaches and players isn't all that great. And what you're starting to see is that trickle down to the players. And the players themselves are starting to fall in line, not necessarily politically, but a lot of them are looking more towards like what the future of their careers and their lives and what that means for them going forward, which you have to understand. But I think what you're doing is you're putting them in a very uncomfortable situations where they have to decide there's, is there an answer to canceling a season or postponing a season going into a draft where the draft determines the, the, the careers and, and livelihoods of all these players there probably isn't. Is it worth exploring more than it is? A hundred percent. We already mentioned uh, Eduardo, Eduardo Rodriguez, the starting pitcher of the Red Sox, who's out this entire year with heart problems, right? That's just one. Um, you have a top 10 ranked lightweight boxer who's currently been hospitalized and will miss his fight in uh, at the end of August because of – COVID symptoms. I think what we're seeing is that there's just not enough information that these players are given to make educated decisions, choices for all of these. And then when you turn to the people who are supposed to be in charge, uh, it's almost making the situation worse worse right so the medical board said the health safety and well-being of our student athletes and all of all of those connected to the pac-12 sports has been our number one priority since the start of the current crisis that's larry scott the pac-10 uh the sorry the pac-12 commissioner said in his statement when I say our student athletes, fans, staff, and all those who love college sports would like to have seen a season played this calendar year as originally planned, we've known we know we've disappointed with this decision. Um, it's like how is he so different from the ACC and the SEC? I'll,
1: I'll tell you why. I'll tell you how. Yeah. He, 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 here's what happens. Right yeah. on the West Coast, sports are an an additive to life right when you yep. go to usc or you go to cal or you go to arizona you know what i mean like you're going there for a reason when you go to uw or wazoo you're going there for a reason you go to oregon the yep. o right you go when you go up to the o you're going there for a reason now the graduation rates at like alabama for example a lot of these sec schools are, are pretty much to the roof right but mm-hmm. those 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 people who oftentimes go to those bigger schools like it's like, that's what they want to do. And that's the best place for them to do it on the West coast. People are like, listen, sports. Fantastic. What comes after sports, even more fantastic. So we need to think about this, which is mm-hmm. why in the beginning, the back 12 was like, listen, we need, we need like a player's union or when yep. the name image and likeness stuff was even begin to be discussed. Who was the first state to go after it? California. Why? Yep. Because of SC because of cow, you know what I mean? Like, Everything that happens in the Pac-12, for the most part, like doesn't have a big ripple effect on like the NFL draft on pe- most people watching it. But if you're yep. if you're from that area of the United States, if you watch those teams, it means something totally different to you, and it's enriched by the fact that not only is it a good sports league, but at the same time, like the people are trying to do things beyond sports, and
0: yep. they're trying to it's very make forward the, thinking.
1: Yes, very forward thinking, and and that's the same thing you're seeing here. The Pac-12 was like, listen, we want players union and the, the NCAA. Oh, still mom. No words, right? Like I understand that the ACC and the SEC have the lion's share of the TV deals, the the star players, the storylines, but I got to tell you, there's just too many players that come from the big 10 in the PAC 12 that have a, a really strong chance of not being able to be in the draft next year or mm-hmm. affecting an NFL roster in the future. And I don't think we can take a look at how that's going to, really kind of throw a lot of things on its heads and not realize that what the Pac-12 is doing is saying, listen, Division One football, you're not willing to do this for the entirety of the group, so let us go ahead and jump on this sword right now. That's yep. what we're going to do. And that, and that's that's what they're doing. And if you're a fan of any of those teams that play in the Pac-12, like you're very excited to see it. You're not excited the fact that you're not going to have those sports this year because I'm, t- I'm telling you, on Saturdays in Washington State when I was there, it was crazy. You were watching UW. Wazoo. If you lived in Oregon, you were watching the Ducks or the Beavers play. You're in Cal. You can just get to choose between watching football players who might be movie actors in the future. You know what I mean? And are also yep. out there maybe taking money from boosters, Reggie Bush. I don't know, but there's, there's just so much that goes on in that league and yet they don't get the star power. They don't get the, the panache that the sec and ACC teams do. So when the governor of Florida is like, Oh, come play here, bro. Did you forget that you're a hotspot right now? Yeah. Why would other teams want to come play you? And then Nebraska right. to suggest, for example, like, oh, we'll play whoever, wherever. Okay. Well, I have an idea for you. Mars doesn't have any confirmed COVID cases yet. Now does the moon. So why don't I just set Alabama, Nebraska week one on the moon? You said whoever, whenever. So Let's go do it. Right? Like that doesn't make sense. So of course no one would agree to that because what there's not a plan. There's not a comprehensive set of actions for what you want to do. So why is it okay for 60% of the league? And I get it. I mean, a lot of that money comes from TV deals, from bowl games, like that sustains academic programs, like the coach in Nebraska said, but like guys, we're not telling you that like, this is, this is the end of college football. We're saying for one year, you might need an asterisk.
0: Yeah. And if it doesn't, sort of tell you how bad the communication between the different leagues are. The SEC commissioner, uh, Greg Sankey, had his own statement. I look forward to learning more about the factors that led to the Big Ten and Pac-12 leadership to take these actions today. I remain comfortable with a thorough and deliberate approach that the SEC and the 14 members are taking to support healthy environment for our student-athletes, we will continue to further refine our policies and protocols for a safe return to sports as we monitor developments around COVID-19 in a continued effort to support, educate, and care for our student-athletes every day. That literally goes to show you that all of these conferences that play each other, that are in the same arena every Saturday aren't even talking to each other. The fact that two of the conferences pulling out took the college football space by storm and that other conferences had no idea that it was coming is a little bit alarming to me as a outsider looking in. Because at the end of the day, what you have, they're kids. They're kids. I mean sure well, the age r- I mean I mean, they're not they're
1: adults right and, and the Pac-12 the, the really the
0: frontal lobe of a male doesn't finish developing until you're in like your mid-20s like the part of your brain that makes good decisions shout out to all you ladies dating at a young age I'm sorry but the frontal <laughs> lobe of men doesn't finish finish developing until you're like in your mid to late 20s so like a lot of the decision making that goes into this by the players isn't even being thought out by people who are physically capable of making some of the decisions. Yeah, I get it. They've been through the ringer. They're, they're grown men. They're legal adults. I mean, not all of them are legal adults. Some of them are still under 21. Um, but you have these guys who are looking at their future and they're literally saying like, okay, if we don't play this season, how does this impact how much money I'm going to make? Instead of saying, If I play this season, and like any of the MLB teams that is suffering a current outbreak, I'm one of the few that has a potential life-threatening issue, and my heart starts swelling. What does this mean for my career going forward? And I get it. You can say that those are far and few in between, but the doctors who are currently taking care of Eduardo Rodriguez are saying that this is more common than what the media and anybody else is talking about. It's more... It's a more common byproduct of of COVID than what I even realized. And I didn't know that until 28 minutes before this podcast. I just happened to look up to see how he was doing. And I saw an article and it was like, oh, Rodriguez' doctor says this symptom is more common than it's being let on. So, like, there is still so much out there that's not being discussed or that's even really, like, linked as a, a, a commonality amongst athletes who are getting this like a prime time healthy athletes like you can say what you want about the mlb and the the state of those players pitchers of anybody on those teams tend to be maybe some of the more out of shape but we also talked about a prime time top of the tier lightweight boxer Which I don't know if you've seen a boxer in the last hundred years. They tend to be in amazing shape, and they're very strict. Yeah, very strict about their diets and their conditioning. Even they're suffering from some of this. You're taking a lot of these guys who are who haven't quite reached the prime of their athletic careers, and you're asking them to put on the line with nothing in return other than hopes and dreams. And if you're telling me that there's anything more than that, it's You're wrong. Like What you're hoping is that they make it to the draft and they get drafted by a team, and then they make a team and can continue on with their career. Spoiler alert. There are more players in the NBA than there are players on all of the combined NFL rosters. So, sorry. Not everybody who declares for the draft is going to make it. Not everybody who makes it in the draft is going to go on and get a, a contract or a career afterwards. That's why they have undrafted free agents. That's why they have players who get signed off of practice squads like it's not a guarantee when they go into this so you have to ask yourself is the risk worth the reward and we don't know that because nobody knows anything about what's going on right now a,
1: a global pandemic is just unacceptable
0: it's it's completely unacceptable. We thought the MLB had their stuff together, and we're seeing what's going on there. Apparently, if you don't live inside of a bubble, it's going to turn out poorly. Like, the MLB is not going to have a full season. I'm going to go yeah. on record right now and saying it. It's just not. But I think the one... One thing that's coming out of this that's showing a little bit of promise is seeing the players really band together. You, you talked about it a little bit earlier where you had two sort of movements that came out of this that – were sort of unfairly pitted against each other where you had Trevor Lawrence come out with uh, a lot of the other players in the league with the hashtag we want to play which seemed to go directly in the face of the uh, we stand united the movement by one of his teammates actually so you had the media and twitter and everybody kind of pitting them against each other when in reality they all kind of recognized what was happening they got together they got on a zoom call uh you had players like uh oklahoma state running back Chuba hubbard you had ohio state qb justin fields you had uh, utah's nick ford michigan's hunt reynolds you had a bunch of players from washington state oregon Alabama, a bunch of other schools all got on this call together and all realized that their end goals were relatively the same Right. There isn't many college football players who have decided to just opt out. I mean, there are some. Uh, there is a potential first-round pick, uh, Rashad Bateman, who did choose to just completely sit out. He has asthma. He lives with his godfather and thought, you know what, it's not worth it. I don't know what the long-term effects of this are. We, It's still unknown. There's still too many questions out there. He just opted out so not every player is on board, but you found from the, we stand United, which is a lot of the players from the big 10 and the pac 12. And then you saw a lot of the players from the ACC and the sec come together and sort of jointly put out a statement that says we want to play, but they have a series of demands and, and they have sort of questions around going to the league that they want answered. But it's still like as, as nice as that was. And, you know, zoom is sort of the future of everything at the moment. Um, it still doesn't answer a, t- a ton of questions. Really, at the end of all this, what it really means is that despite all the the plans and the politics, nobody really has any idea what's going on or how to properly manage anything that's happening right now in the sports world. Yep. Everyone's kind of yeah, everyone's kind of passively waiting to see how all of the other leagues manage this how they go what their seasons look like before making any big decisions and what it's causing is a lot of sort of fragmentation in communications where you have like some sports that have some information you have other sports that are doing a little bit more stringent testing right like the nba is great it's doing the nasal swabs it's doing the throat swabs it's doing the temperatures but you have other leagues who are doing like cardiological workups to find out what it means in someone's lungs what it means to the blood flow and all those sort of things there's no general board that's been formed yet to talk about athletes and sports and COVID. There, there needs to be a universal body that kind of takes all of these things into account and is able to work as an access point and make it hell make it selected by the medical boards and the medical teams for all of these different divisions, have them get together, pick the people involved. So you have a general source that you can trust the information and everybody can make the same decisions.
1: If only there was a place that could do that. Oh wait, it's called the NCAA. Like that, that that is the problem, right? When, when they looked as I, I don't think this is necessarily, you know, hyperbole, right. But when you see the fact that the federal government goes off the state's government, they said, oh, well, it's, it's kind of your thing. you got to deal with it. Like, okay, that's what the NCAA is kind of rolling with. They're really mum on this We Stand United thing. They're really yeah. mum on name, image, and likeness because what? They're going to take an L. That's what's going to happen. Yeah. They've known about this for years. They They have a consortium of divisions of thousands of college athletes, and there's no players union because what? Whether or not they want to say it out loud, do they want players saying, you know what? For our health, it's probably not the best. No, because that's going to affect their bottom line. And that's, that's unfortunately the problem. And they're going to need to learn a really hard lesson when 60% of the schools in division one football go out and they take a, I don't know, like if we haven't, we don't have a vaccine yet and the virus continues to go on and they're altering the lives of hundreds, Mm -hmm. if not thousands of young men whose NFL dreams are going to be shattered. And they're going to, there's going to be a ceiling that's placed on maybe their, their, their cardiological like abilities. Because yep. you wanted to push for a season, and you didn't do the work. You had eight months. You saw the MLB open up and travel. That was a disaster. You saw the NHL say, look, we're going to go in a bubble. You saw MLS, National Women's Soccer League, NASCAR, PGA, NBA, pick a sport. And you mean to tell me, NCAA, that you haven't learned anything? Correct. You weren't you weren't in talks with these people the entire time, and the NCAA didn't like take the lead and say, listen, I need a Pac-12 rep. I need a Big Ten rep. I need a Big 12 rep. I need an ACC rep. SEC, mm-hmm. I need you guys to come to the table. And by the way, if you don't give me a plan for how you're going to execute this, we're in August. There are students that are coming to colleges, and there's not a plan for how they're going to deal with COVID on their own campuses. That's astounding
0: to me. That is
1: unacceptable.
0: Yeah, it, I mean it's – It's not okay. No, and I mean everything up until this point has been just complete speculation on everybody's – Everybody's how is it speculation? You have tests, you have cases, you have debts, you have everything you possibly need to do. I'm sorry, I'm not I'm not yelling at you. I'm yelling at no, you. No, know, and I and I agree with you 100%. Like you have all these things, but what you have is these people who are on the other side that are like, "Well, but how are these tests?" And you're like, yeah. "It doesn't matter if a small portion of them is accurate. It's a concern." It's a concern, right? Like, so the way I look at COVID and this, I don't know, this shouldn't be a hot take, but I know in the modern era of sharing information, it's probably a hot take. If you look at somewhere like Florida and they come out and say, oh, shit, we had like 20,000 tests that came back as positive that were negative. So the numbers were a little off. Okay, cool. That's a big mess up. Those need to be corrected. But... If at the end of the day you have that many tests that came back positive that were negative, how many tests come back negative that were positive? Like I don't that seems to be a rationale that gets lost on a lot of people when I bring that conversation up. They're like, Well, what are you saying? The tests don't matter. Well, to some extent, yes. That shows that there's a complete ineffectiveness to test properly. Whatever tests the NFL are doing, because it's a battery of tests, it's not just I'm walking into a place, I'm getting a nasal swab, and then I'm out, or I'm driving by in my car, and they're sticking a swab in my throat, and we're going to hope for the best. Like, it's a battery of tests. So can you trust the NBA's tests versus general public's? Probably. But if we're comparing global numbers, or at least let's just stay within the United States, if we're comparing just the U.S. numbers, the, the amount of positive tests is probably not... All that wrong. There's probably some relative accuracy to it. Let's say we'll give it like, we'll be generous. Let's give it like a 20% cushion. Just say 20% of the tests that went out came back were false negatives. You're still in the hundreds of thousands of positive tests. Now, what we have not accounted for in any capacity is... Negative tests. So what we do is when people get positive tests, we have them come back. and We test them again just to make sure. What we don't do is if you get a negative test, hey, let's test you again in a few days just to be sure. That doesn't happen. So there's literally almost no accurate information out there. We have like small pockets of information where we've studied and we've tested a bunch. The NBA is one of those. But the NBA shows that if you social distance, keep your own space, you can be fine. So if if the NBA was the rest of the world and everybody just shut in like the NBA does for a long period of time, how many weeks are we in the season with a neg- without a single negative result? It could be done. It could be it over could with. Be. Yeah. It could be just completely gone. But there's literally everything is just up in the air. Yeah. And what's there's because there's no general board for any of this and everyone's kind of keeping their own information. What you have is like discrepancies in the studies that people are following or the information that they're giving. Like you see it with masks all the time. CDC says masks help. And then someone shares an article. CDC says masks don't help. Okay. Well, who's the governing body that gets together and says, okay, which one of these are supposed to follow?
1: Yeah. But that's not a reason to necessarily allow your players to possibly uh, I don't know, deal with traumatic brain injury, mm-hmm. broken bones, torn ligaments, and then not like have a like you have a plan for all that, right? It's not like you're saying, yep. listen, guys, go on the field and play football. Don't wear a helmet, don't wear a jock strap, don't wear pads. Doesn't matter. Right? Yep. Like stats. Doesn't matter. You're you're saying, listen, we have a plan for all of those things. We have a plan for third down and three against every one of the opponents on our schedule this year. But you can't, as a governing sports body, Come up with a general plan, a general plan for how these these games could be accomplished, and mm-hmm. and you're you're you have the benefit. And I and I mentioned this a, a couple of weeks ago. You know when we had the the pod with Schefter, like there's a lot of things we don't know. Understand that. However, we now have a dearth of information. We now have professional yep. sports leagues that are being able to bring people into bubbles or maybe semi bubbles, and we're going to see how that works out. It's unacceptable that the NCAA doesn't have a plan. It's absolutely unacceptable for them to say, "Hey, ACC, SEC, Pac-12, figure it out." No, that's not going to yeah. happen because the Pac-12 schools are going to say, "Listen, your scholarships, we're going to go ahead and honor them. We're going to make mm-hmm. sure that you know no one's financially affected by this." But let's be honest: in a lot of these other bigger leagues, is it pay for play? No, but it's like, "Hey, your scholarship means like you got to make the team this year, and if you don't make the team this year, you're not going to get a scholarship." And like everyone in America right now is so heated that oh, our damn college sports are coming back. Well, we had about six months where we could have really put a dent in this thing. And collectively, the majority of us chose not to do it. So that means we might have to deal with a punishment, right? Like Mm -hmm. if I made a mistake as a kid and my parents punished me, it was for a reason. Mm -hmm. We don't want to do that. These are our freedoms. I want to be able to watch NCAA players smack their bodies around on Saturday afternoons. And I don't care. If they get a concussion, I don't care if they dislocate their kneecap. I don't care if they tear an ACL. I don't care if they tear their Achilles. I don't care if they get COVID because I care about having an uninterrupted period of Saturdays so I can Mm -hmm. watch you play on Sundays in the future, and your rights don't mean anything to me. My rights mean everything to me. That's what they're saying, essentially.
0: Yeah, 100%. And the unfortunate reality of all this is that despite all the planning and effort that goes into this, the plan and effort might just be cancel the season, right? That's the thing that's kind of get, it gets lost in a lot of this conversation is that you can set aside money. You can set aside time. You can do whatever you want, but that doesn't necessarily mean that at the end of all this, there is an answer other than cancel the season. What you're asking is a bunch of immature dudes to like adhere to a structure or a system when we can't even get grown men to do the same thing who are getting paid millions of dollars. So say you're a college athlete. And actually, before we even get to that, a lot of these colleges that these kids are going to aren't even allowing kids on campus because of COVID. It's all remote learning. It's all online learning because it's. But the players
1: have to show up. Like explain that to me.
0: It's spurning this whole conversation about like paying full tuition because I'm not going to be living on campus. It's all remote learning. If you can't trust your student body to be on campus and do what needs to be done. Why Are your student athletes Because the first part of that Naming convention Is student They are students first Athletes second So if the student body can't be on And they can't be trusted to be there Without throwing the whole system in whack by spreading covid to everybody every saturday night how are you going to expect your student athletes to be there it's nothing more than a money grab you should have saved more of that 170 million dollars you got every year is this going to hurt uh schools that may not be as big as say the alabamas of the world the michigan's of the world i think it will yeah, of course it's going to, because that is a lot of money. They're also not bringing in as much money, but still, it's going to. they're going to feel the impact. But I'm sorry. As far back as I can remember, those teams have been top of the leaderboard every college football season. So if you haven't been smart enough to save the money to plan for, like, disaster-like events, like what happens if your school got hit by a tornado and your teams couldn't play anymore? What? No oh my god it's it's over like we don't have school anymore no there are backup plans for everything you financially didn't plan for the loss of a season i'm sure the amount of money these colleges have tucked away in endowments and everything else and boosters is more than enough to make up for all this so 100 i'm not buying the money argument what you're doing at the end of the day is you are trying to force the hand of of I'm going to keep calling them kids because that's what but they are. When not, I was they're just, adults.
1: They're 18. They they they're old enough to vote, enlist the military, you smoke, are,
0: no buy you pornographic
1: are, you know materials. Now I, they're not old you're enough not to old buy enough to
0: drink a beer, but you're okay, old enough to do all of those that's, things. Now, that's, in that's, my opinion, and this is a conversation run at the time. In my opinion, a lot of those things the age needs to be increased because you don't know anything. You literally just finished high school i mean and countries like germany
1: would really be to differ but you know germany italy i mean pre-corona right their choices were uh, were pretty good yeah but i mean but, you
0: know. but step that's not what we're working with here this is this is the, the land of the freedoms and as we can tell by the freedoms in general <sighs> uh there's not a lot of good decision making being done by adults so we're expecting 18 to 24 year olds to be making Oh, that's a that's, a, that's a pretty wide margin. We're expecting anywhere... So, I started college when I was 17. So, 17 to 23-year-olds, we'll call it. We're expecting them to make proper medical decisions when all they're seeing is dollar signs down the road because your school is too dumb to say, like, hey, there's a potential risk here. Let's just shut this down for a while. They're like no 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 we got millions of dollars on the line and i get it the town also makes millions of dollars there's no fans in the stadium you're not making ticket sales so that's not part of the equation where are you making that other money this season like where's what you're gonna lose 120 million dollars i mean
1: like hotels restaurants streaming deals right i mean no
0: but like nebraska gave that number saying how much money they're individually going to lose not how much everyone's going to lose. They're going to lose $120 million. Most of that's in ticket sales. Most of that's in... In, in gate op- revenue, yeah. from gate revenue. You know, you're not going and- to have fans anyway. So most of that money is gone. So now what are we talking? $40 million? Yeah, I mean,
1: I, I guess when you when you take a look at it, like the, the big thing is if the NCAA put as much time into thinking about how to protect its players like it protected its profits we yep. probably wouldn't be in this scenario like we are now. And it's super unfortunate that literally people are going back to the campus for, you know, I feel like we've been in this pandemic. Like I feel like March has been like 19 years. Uh, yes. You know, it's just, it just, we just continue to just like swirl the drain around this. And we're not like ever getting back to what we need to be doing, which is if we want normalcy, we have to just kind of suck it up. And you talked about like people in the bubble earlier and being in quarantine and stuff. And I got to tell you, like if people are complaining about not seeing their loved ones, when they play professional sports for like a couple months, like I would, I would challenge you to talk to someone in the Navy who's like, you know, spent like, I don't know, nine to 11 months at sea, comes home for like four or five weeks and then goes back out again, you know, and, and understanding that like, you know, military and sports, you know, they're, they're not really the same. Right. But when you have people that, that, that do make that part of their lifestyle and and they're able to do that, like there's no excuse for why you can't like, Come up with a comprehensive plan. Here's how we're going to attack it. That, right? Because like that's kind of what makes like the Pac-12 different. They said, listen, things are going to be different. Our players are going to be more outspoken. And to be honest, like we're, we're going we're to attack it in a different way. And we do want a player's union. <laughs> oh, how are we going to do that? Well, check this plan out, bro. We already got it. Check it yeah, out. But, oh, you uh, don't want to read it? Okay, cool. Well, hey, we have a lawsuit. And by the way, you're going to start paying our players for name, image, and likeness. So we have a plan. We know how we're going to do it. You need to figure out how you're going to do it, and they could have done the same thing, but the NCAA and most of these yep. individual like you know leagues are just dragging their feet. And yeah, it's just
0: it's just it's not okay. It's unacceptable. No, and I think I think ultimately a players' union is going to come out of this. I think long term, it should. They're going to come up, and they're going to come up with some sort of compensation plan for uh, college football players, even if it's like take. Whatever school you're going to, take the median income minus 20%, and that's what you get paid. Because you don't, obviously, everything you're getting is getting paid for. Your food's getting paid for, your tuition's getting paid for, you don't need a full salary, quote unquote, that would be the median salary. But say, every. College player gets twenty thousand dollars to do whatever they want with every single year. Whatever. Uh, I don't know if I necessarily agree with the uh, the military to sports comparison. But I mean, when, people... the, when they, but when you join the military, you know what you're signing up for, and you know that that's a risk. Nobody, not a single person, the, who's looking yeah, out for their the family. Same...
1: That's the same style of argument that people are that the, the, even you had said earlier in the show. Oh, they're, they're getting paid in millions. They're going to go make millions of dollars in the league. Sure. You know what I mean? Like they're getting scholarships like that. That is that is the counterpoint to this argument right now. People are saying like, oh, why are college athletes complaining? They have a roof over their head and they have food in their stomach. Mm-hmm. They're getting paid to you know <laughs> yeah, play sports someday.
0: But that's drastically different than saying like... 100%. So so like military, people who work on oil rigs, all of those things. Basically, they go into it knowing that, okay, there's going to be a portion of time where I'm going to be away for a long period of time. When you look at... And there's uh, usually
1: fiscal compensation that goes to
0: goes to do something with that so you know exactly so like you know my dad was in the navy and he worked on nuclear powered subs when he was out at sea not only was he making like deployment money he was making his regular salary plus there was like food stipends, like all that sort of stuff nba players i mean sorry uh ncaa players across the board aren't making any of that you were literally locked away from your family and if you go out and see anybody you penalize and you have lose out playing time and yeah, then but now that becomes have... a that becomes a mark on your record now i'm sure exactly. because they're going to exactly. start evaluating down the road like okay well this guy couldn't keep his stuff together long enough and they're not going to look into it oh he left because he went to a funeral and he saw some other people they're gonna be like oh this guy couldn't stay underneath quarantine but like right and i i don't even agree i don't even necessarily think that like an nba player or an nfl player or an mlb player should be expected to do that like just cancel sports like at the end of the day we're talking about it but game. they wouldn't because they, it's just, a game. There's, just,
1: there's just too much money and they would never do that yeah there's there's too much money in it they, they would never do that there's too much that those you know colleges and universities are, are dependent on and look I, again I, I'm not trying to say like oh well the military is it so suck it up guys I'm, I'm not trying to say yes. that what what I'm trying to say is like Mike Tyson says everyone has a plan to get punched in the face and yeah. the NCAA just got punched in the face and they're not doing anything yeah. right now. Um, essentially, you, you've seen the old uh, Independence Day movie, right? Mm-hmm. Will Smith, you know Jeff Bridges, right? Um, right now, the NCAA is looking at a whole bunch of space saucers flying over about ready to light us all up. And they're like, no, this is fine. We're good. And they're seeing mm-hmm. all these these things begin to happen. And we haven't come together yet like we like we do. Spoiler, at the end of the movie. And it's kind of like, uh, Okay. Folks, if we want any sort of a NCAA football season, I'm going to need you to do these three things. I ask you to show up and be as loud as possible in Denny stadium every Saturday in Alabama. I ask you to wear your flair, your jerseys. I ask you to spend money, you know, mm-hmm. donate to the schools. I just need you to wear a mask. I need you to wash your hands. And I need you to not do anything for the next couple months. So we can welcome you guys, some of you back in the stadium and, We can have this glorious thing that transforms our sleepy little college town into the titan of the SEC once a year. We can't do that. I don't don't understand it.
0: No, we would rather ask another group of people to be completely uncomfortable and just put out, so that we could get some form of entertainment daily on the week. Like, do we do we realize what we're asking professional athletes to do right now? Lock yourselves away for months (laughs) on end and get tested every single day just so that we can watch some live entertainment. Like how asinine is that, that we as a general populace feel so put out by the fact that we're asked to wear a mask that I've literally seen people come out and say that this is oppression, authoritarianism. I've seen all of these just weird memes by people who would literally not survive a day if they were in any of these countries that actually had to deal with any of that stuff. Like
1: But that's please. also part of the
0: problem. Like just like just like the people that you see that you're talking to
1: like on your socials, like it's the same thing for the players, right? And the NCAA. Like on social media you could be a Titan. And in real life yes. you either have to beat your block and like crush the man or you don't. So like we're we're not gonna get anywhere. And to be honest, we're gonna continue to talk about this over the next like couple months because it's it's just gonna continue to happen. We're gonna we're gonna continue to go 75% into this possible solution, which people are talking about, which there's nothing been codified. (laughs) And then we're gonna have maybe eight games, nine games in the college football season, and that's probably gonna be it. Now I mean I got to say if you're the Seahawks Giving up that first-round pick next year. Don't look so bad no more. Just saying. Just saying.
0: Yeah, that's the other thing we didn't even address is what the impact of this. And I know this episode is going to run long. Sorry, everybody. But we didn't nah, even talk about, yeah, yeah, no, sorry. It's like even timelines talk about, don't matter. Like, we understand throughout all this conversation that these kids are trying to play for a future. And that it's going to impact the draft next year. What you're going to have is a bunch of players who came off of injuries that this was going to be their comeback season. You're going to have a bunch of first-season players where they were really going to start making a name for themselves. You're going to have guys like Burroughs, who had a terrible season, followed by where he just completely failed at one college, went on to LSU, had a mediocre season, and then came back next last year and had a stellar season. and now is going to go on to a high-profile, Uh, NFL career so like there's lots of these stories of players coming into the draft that you know that year they did amazing there was like a comeback story or there was a standout player who previous to that hadn't done so well there's lots of those that are that may potentially get missed but what you're also putting in jeopardy is former number one player sidelined for two years with COVID complications or Player Y died because of COVID complications. Like th- you're wondering, like there aren't a lot of Cinderella stories. There are not a lot of draft surprises. Not everyone's a Tom Brady that gets picked in in the last round. Like that, it doesn't happen. That often and i get it you're going to have to look back at previous tape you're going to have to go off of some form of speculation as to what they were going to do this season you're going to have to go off of some form of testing protocol going into the seasons you know hoping that all these players kind of kept themselves in shape but and and, and we understand it's it's a risk the draft is always a gamble Hundred percent. It's always a gamble. You can pick a player and then he busts. You could have, you know, we talk a lot about Baker Mayfield, who showed a lot of promise, came in the league, hasn't quite lived up to that yet. Is he going to? It's definitely a possibility. They've made enough changes that it's it's there, but you don't quite know what you're going to get every draft, and this is only going to further complicate and sort of muddy those waters. Which there has to be universal understanding that that is okay, right? Like, yeah. Again, it's it's not like the rest of
1: sports, it's like kaputs. We're talking about one season. One season.
0: Yeah. And who who knows? A lot of these players that might have gone on and had injuries this season for some stupid play, that wasn't even their fault. They played behind a a bad offensive line or... Whatever whatever the reason may be, some of those players might even be better than what we projected them to. We just, You just don't know. So there's going to be a level of risk that's going to have to go into this season. You can't just... I mean, you have a, a new, fresh round of high school graduates, so it's not like you can pause everything in between and just say, nope, because that's not how that works. So most teams have a general idea going into the season, the type of people they're keeping an eye on. That's what the yeah. recruitment's for. That's what the talent scouts are for. You then follow those players throughout the season. And maybe if someone pops up who st- who tends to be a standout, you tend to pay more attention to them as the season goes on. But everyone has a general idea of what they're looking for. And I get it. Seasons in the NFL and injuries and whatever change things and, The college football season and injuries and outstanding play also changes there so it's all it's not static it's all dynamic and how things move and, and and change but at the end of it it was a gamble anyway this just makes a little bit more of a gamble trust your gut and go for it but don't force these kids to to risk not making it into the league because they're suffering from something worse than, you know, a broken forearm or a dislocated knee or something like that.
1: Yeah, I mean, think about it. 9/11 happened, we changed security protocols. Uh the great auto crash happened, we changed banking protocols, right? With, with the bank, you know, the banking and auto uh you know bailouts of the the late uh 2000s and early mm-hmm. 2010, so like uh NCAA, you're up. This is it. This is your time to shine and hopefully you've been paying attention to I don't know history for the last 20 years, but I mean, so far, it's not looking like it's going to speak highly of the victors. Uh-huh.